When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, I'm Danny Brothers and welcome to Memory Lane. This is a new series from It's All Cobblers to Me where we're hearing from you, the Northampton fans, about your memories of following the Cobblers. This time I'm speaking to a man who many of you will be familiar with. He's the editor of the Cobblers fanzine, Hotel Enders, an author and a lifelong town fan. It's my pleasure to welcome to Memory Lane, Mark Kennedy. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, hi Danny, how's it going mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. So which piece of cobbler's history are you going to dig your teeth into today? Yeah, I thought we got to start with with our old spiritual home, the county ground, I'm sure. No, so plenty of plenty of memories yeah, there. Uh, right. Some of our younger fans are going to be taking on a bit of a journey, I think, for the next 20 minutes or so. So um, um, so trying not to age you too much, <laughs> but um, what are your memories of your very first cobbler's game at the county ground? What was your initial feelings when you walk in yeah wow I mean um when I was uh, about four or five years old I actually moved just around the corner from the ground and uh, I used to see the the floodlights and you know and and the people parking outside the house and and having this this moment of I really want to go there I really want to go there yeah finally my mum let me go when I was 12 11 or 12 or something and and it was the uh the the game when we beat Crew two one to uh, to pretty much clinch the the old fourth division title under Graham Carr, and 
I walked into the ground and just seeing this, this, this crowd of people, the the pitch, the the atmosphere and everything. It was just it was just incredible. It was just that sight I'll never forget. So your first game, you kind of just thought, oh, this is going to be like this for the rest of the time now. This is like we're just going to win <laughs> every game, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was obviously such a magical time, wasn't it? But um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I just got hooked from that day onwards. And uh, and of course, yeah, you just thought football was going to be magical every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it must have been quite a thing just to live nearby as well, just to, like you say, just to, to be right in the middle of that, that epicentre of all the Cobblers fans, like when you when they're coming out the ground and just to be, just just to live so close by, it must, must have been quite quite a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was really magical because, you know, you've got all the terrace streets and, and uh, as you see, you say, you can see people walking past uh, in and out the ground and, you, you could hear the noise, you could hear the atmosphere. I mean, if we opened our windows, we could actually hear the, the crowd and everything. So when I was part of that crowd, my mum would always try and sort of guess because she, she wasn't hugely into the football, but she'd try and guess if we'd won by the noises sometimes in the <laughs> in in the sort of early part of the uh, the season or the late part when you could open the windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So were you were you straight onto the family enclosure or did you were you duck boards or uh, straight onto the hotel end? Yeah, well, my very first game I was on the family enclosure. And I think it cost a pound to get in, and and I borrowed mum's um, friend's son's um, membership to get in there. Um, and then I, I I went. That was my first game. But then the uh, the the following season, the first season we were in the old third division. I ended up on the hotel end quite a bit. Um, and I'd always have to go to the game with somebody. My mum still wasn't in the in the, the the trusting days of football and letting me go on my own. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a hotel end. But then my first season ticket was back in the family enclosure again, so I, I did move around a bit. So what was it about the ground that made it so unique? You said it was what would have been mid eighties. You said that would have been. So there's not still not a lot of sort of games on TV or anything, is there? So it still would have maybe been the FA Cup final every year. Um, yeah. Not a lot to compare it to, I guess. That's right. I mean, I used to love watching the football on the telly. You know, I was I was a match of the day fan, and and I watch um, football focus and Saint and Greavesy, and and then we'd have grandstand on and all that sort of stuff. And you you know, every time you could catch a goal on the telly, it was amazing. Um, I think today it's so different because you know when the when the season's in full swing, you can pretty much put on the TV, watch every game. You can download games as well, and. And you know the the appeal's sort of gone, but then it was just it was actually unique to to actually go there and experience it. And then when you came home and saw the goals on the telly, maybe on Monday night on the on the Anglia TV program, it was like, yeah, I was there. I remember that, you know. <laughs> so you got the both both worlds there. <laughs> yeah, and you had the um, the pinken as well, didn't you? At the end of matches oh, that God, you could go yeah. and grab from the corner. That um, that's the only way you find out the scores at that point, wasn't it? From what I remember. Yeah, I, I mean that was. That was really phenomenal when you think about it, how mm. the Chronic and Echo could produce a whole um, printed newspaper in the space of an hour. And it, and it was in the news agents, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah you, you go through and, and study the scores and the attendance. You know, there'd always be one game that was a little bit late that you wouldn't get the score on. You had to wait till the next day or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so you, you kind of started off, you peaked quite soon at the county ground for moments. <laughs> um, what, uh, what are some of your other sort of your favourite moments from the grounds? 
I mean, obviously that that was a great intro, and then we had a we had a great season in um, Division Three the year afterwards, and then it sort of started to fall to pieces a little bit. That that's the football and the ground, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I I love the the days when we went through the real turmoil and all the fans came together. So obviously we experienced that a few seasons ago under Chris Wilder at Sixfields, but. But being there at the county ground when the the club nearly went bust, and you know we were we were getting sort of less than two thousand turning up, but the atmosphere on the hotel end was still brilliant. So that that was a it was a time where the the football and the the future of the club was really scary. But the actual togetherness and the support in the club, and you know I'd, I'd go along with my mates and we'd organise protests and things like that, whether it worked or not. But it was just that. That that thing of everybody just coming together on the in the ground and collecting money in buckets that was a, a a sort of a real fond memory and and the fact I think the club came through it is is the reason why it's a fond memory so a real season of adversity and downward spiral and like sort of finishing nearly bottom of the league and staying in the league and all that that was a a real it was tough but it was special. Mm. Yeah, I mean a modern modern day equivalent, like you say, was Chris Wilder's yeah. um, team, and and that kind of escape at Dagenham and, and Oxford finishing it off. And once you go through that turmoil, it does kind of make everyone together, and it brings the town together. And I think I think Tom Cliff was actually saying about it um, the other day when we spoke to him on this same podcast series that it does just bring the town together. And when we're in adversity, the town does come together as one. Absolutely. Um, and we're really good at that. We're not really good at being mid table. <laughs> we're, uh, we're quite good at either when we're going for promotion or with our backs against the wall, we just all come out in force. And it was the same back then. I mean, I can't remember some of the, some of the teams we used to put out were just full of youth team players because we couldn't afford to pay anyone else. And, I can't remember where, where it was the away game we went to that um, we we literally just had a whole oh, team. Yeah, of youth yeah, team just down at Barnet. Was it, wasn't it? Was, it old, was it Barnet? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there might have been one in the older shot maybe as well where we just and it was it was literally the, yeah. <laughs> the worst of the worst and there was there didn't seem to be a time when we uh, sort of chance of us getting out of it did they? And no, no, but. but Definitely, just a special place to be at home games at that time. I was, I just kind of started it early nineties. Yeah, yeah, and just, just being in awe of the whole place and just, <laughs> it's not just, it was just, just a really, really special place to go. Just, um, but like I said, you couldn't really compare it to anything else. So it was, it was your place, and you just felt like everywhere in the country was like it. So yeah, <laughs> that's when right. you're younger, don't you? Yeah, um, and I think I think the thing with the county ground. I mean, I, I read stuff on the uh, social media now where people go, "Oh, Sixfields is horrible. We should return to the county ground. We should never have left there." But I mean, in in the early nineties, it was it it was a mess, and you know, as special as it was, I, I do think the majority of fans were ready to move at that point, but. You know, once it's gone, you can't go back, can you? <laughs> no, that's it. And yeah, and um, the toilets especially were quite special, oh, weren't they? As well? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I always, I, I always remember those burgers you used to get behind the stand, the the, the famous Ansel burgers. And yes, <laughs> I, I, like every other cobbler's fab, we've all tried them. But the, the things that used to fascinate me about them is that people would buy them again the following week, and I think, yeah, why? <laughs> Um, it's just part of the match day experience, yeah, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, but I do remember going yeah. to a a game once, and it, I think it was a, a one of these like Johnson's Paint Leyland Daff Sherpa Van Trophy or whatever it was called in those days. And of course, the terrace had quite a lot of spaces on it, and 
and we scored and somebody lobbed an Ansel burger and it just exploded. <laughs> like, you know, it just, just looked awful. It looked like a, a you know, a, a bird had dropped one from the sky or something. If it, it just, yeah, it just blew up. And I thought, how, how can people eat that? You know, but uh, I, I think I probably only ever had one of them. I, I can't say I went any further than that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, definitely a smell. And that's etched into every cobbler's fan's mind. I think you can smell, taste and yeah, let's, let's, let's move on from that one quickly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And the other thing was the cricket team used to use it as a car park, didn't they, over the, over the summer. So when you get back in, in uh, August, there's no pristine pitch. There's no like relayed pitch. It's just, just like completely ground up by the cricket, cricket car park. Oh yeah. I mean, that was another fabulous thing of, of, um, of the late eighties for me. Cause I was still at school then. And, uh, in the school holidays, we, we could just walk into the ground cause the gates would be open and you know, the players sometimes be training on the pitch or you could go and have a kick about with your mates on the pitch or whatever. And, I mean, you can't even step on the pitch now, can you? <laughs> it's a fact. No, but, no. <laughs> but yeah, you, you kick the ball, and and it, I mean, you you know, the racecourse pitches were probably in better better condition than the uh, the county crown one was. So uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a fun place, and uh, I, I mean, everything about it. You had the the cricket side, as you just mentioned, where again, I used to question why fans would choose to go and stand over there on a cold Tuesday night in December when the the rain was lashing in their faces or <laughs> you know stand on one of the open terraces or something when you could you could just walk into the hotel end at least you were dry you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was the thing about the hotel end as well that it was it must have been intimidating from away supporters and away um, away teams from yeah we we've lost that a little bit going to sixfields i know they they were thinking of ideas to bring about safe standing and things but i don't think it'll ever be the same as that intimidation of the hotel end <laughs> yeah that's it and and again i mean the the roof was so low wasn't it that you uh the noise would just stay in there and and it was fabulous i do remember actually twice two or three i think it was twice i stood on the uh the spine cup um they there used to be a membership where you could get into any part of the ground and bizarrely i i, I don't know why i remember this but both games were against preston and uh the preston fans will be in the the little enclosure on the the right hand side, and both times we lost, and and one of them was when Dean Thomas famously put a penalty over the hotel end, and I, re- I remember the noise that you could hear from from the opposite end was was incredible, you know, but uh, it yeah, it's just it's it's not the same anymore, is it? I think uh, you, you sort of miss the fact where you could just turn up and stand next to your mates, and and you had that real as you say that low roof where. Where the noise would be kept in in the uh, in the stadium, it was yeah, it was fantastic, really, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. So you've spoken about your first game. We obviously had two last games in true cobbler style. Sixfields wasn't finished until October, um, when it's supposed to be open for the first game of the season. Did you go to both of them, or um, I actually went to the first last game? Uh, yeah, b- bizarrely, I, well, I moved up to Newcastle for a couple of years. Um, so I missed a lot of that season when we finished bottom of the league, uh, which was probably a good season to uh, to not live near the county ground. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I came down for the uh, the Chester game, and I remember, you know, pulling up pulling up at the uh, outside my mum's, walking down to the ground, and it was the first time I, I ever went for a pre match pint in the uh, in the county tavern. We were always the the Abington Park Hotel before the game, but. 
I went for a beer in there and then walked into the, the ground. And, and I mean, the atmosphere was just electric that day. It really was. Um, I think we scored in the first minute and, you know, it was a cracking goal from Kevin Wilkin. I remember it well. And fans were on the pitch and everything and it ended up 1-0. And, you know, we thought that was it. We thought, wow, this is it. We, we're saying goodbye to the county ground. But yeah, that was officially my last game there. I missed the uh, the ones after that. I think it was four or five games the following season until we we went to Sixfields and bizarrely had to end up buying a ticket in the away end and sit with the Barnet fans oh, for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an experience. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of weird to think of now, but we were one of the probably more progressive clubs at that time to actually make that move. There's a yeah. few that came before us. Uh, Scunthorpe, Walsall, Wickham, Huddersfield, I think, were moving around that time. But there wasn't that many that were making that move. We were one of the first teams to go. Did you have any, did you have kind of mixed feelings about leaving the county ground or did you think it was the right time to, to make the yeah, move? Yeah, I think being honest, it was the right time. I mean, the county ground was in a terrible state. The, the club had suffered the couple of years beforehand. Um, I mean, All Seater was, All Seater Stadium was a novelty then. And, I think when we moved to Sixfields, it was a real, as you say, a real state-of-the-art, real ahead-of-the-time move. And we'd gone from this this club that nobody cared about in the whole football pyramid to, wow, Northampton are playing a new ground. And, it, you know, I remember I remember the first game at Sixfields and getting in the car and and hearing Radio 5 live and and they said, you know, Sixfields is, is, is the place to be today. And lowly Northampton town have just moved to a new stadium and said goodbye to the county ground for the final time. And, you know, it was, it was a start of a new era. It was just, it was really bizarre, but I think the excitement was there. And, and I think if you ask every fan deep down to, to find their memory of that time, I think we were all excited to move away from the county ground. But then again, I've, I've friends, I, I used to go to the, the games with week in, week out and they, they just stopped going. They never went to Sixfields, you oh, know? Really? Yeah. It was almost yeah. like that. That was the day the club finished for them, you know? So yeah, strange. Because yeah, there's been quite a few, um, quite a few teams that we go away to and go to these plush new stadiums on the outside of town, and sometimes it just doesn't feel the same as when, <laughs> when they're yeah. in, the, in the middle of the town, like your Shrewsbury's. Um, I mean, I'd say Colchester, but one that that nicer trip in the first yeah, place was it? Oh, that was, but, yeah, um, that was a terrible but, ground, wasn't it? <laughs> it's that feeling of being right in the middle of that community, wasn't it? That the county ground, I think, brought out of it, and just it it was right there, and obviously it's still standing as the cricket ground now, but. I mean, I lived in Abington till last year and just being nearby, nearby those massive floodlights again, just give you that tinge of, of nostalgia. And, but I think, I think you're right. We probably did have to move in terms of, in terms of club, but sometimes you do get a pining for it when six fields is half empty on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember some great games, you know, when we beat Coventry in the FA Cup and, and again, it was absolutely rammed in the county ground and, I mean, it was it was so ridiculous because you you couldn't see anything, you couldn't see the game, or you, you couldn't really see what was going on. And I do remember in that game, like Bobby Barnes hit the post quite early on in, in the in the game. It's probably about ten or fifteen minutes in, and everybody thought we'd scored. And it wasn't until sort of five or ten minutes later that people were sort of saying, "No, it's still nil nil." You know, <laughs> we we thought we were beating Coventry in the FA Cup, and then. You know, then we did actually score, and and the celebrations were so wild. I think it's like no, I think I think we definitely are winning now. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go to Sixfields, you can see everything now, can't you? But but yeah, those those sort of real special moments there, wasn't there? And 
you just took everything as it was then, I think, really, with football. There was no sort of real expectancy as well that we were going to go and win every game. And and now it's all very technical and and very uh, tactical. And, you know, people analyse everything that's come from the media and, and things like Sky Sports and what have you, pundits and all that are, are looking at every single goal, every single tackle, every single save. And that's sort of filtered down to us as fans, whereas... Back then, it was like kick the ball as high as you can and see so you could chase after it as quick as you could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's elements of that still there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just people complain about it more now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, if um, if one player and one manager could define the county ground era for you, who would it be? Oh wow! Well, it, I mean, it's a cliche and it's obvious, but it's got to be Graham Carr, hasn't it? I mean, you know, he was. He was my first real cobbler's memory. Um, he was such a nice guy and still is. I mean, I, I still see Graham, but, you know, when I'm down the bottom of the steps with a fanzine, he wanders past and says hello. And he, he's, he, was, he was an absolute legend. And I think the fact that he took a team of nobodies and turned into a team of somebodies that just loved playing football. And you, you meet the players now at reunions and that was a moment of their life to win that league. So... Yeah, Graham Carr, without a doubt, um, is is the, uh, the the man from the county ground. I mean, we'll always have Chris Wilder from Sixfields, but Graham Carr, yeah, no no doubt. Player wise, oh man, I loved so many players from that era. I mean, uh, Eddie McGoldrick and Tony Adcock. Uh, we had Trevor Morley, Richard Hill. You know, obviously Richard Hill, I never saw him play once. But uh, yeah, it was just a, it was just there was just fabulous players then. Trying to pick my favourite now. <laughs> That's a <tough> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let, let me let me think about that, and I will pick one of them. Phil Chard, and again another absolute legend. And we had we had players like Irving Gernon, who just and Morris Scott, and that, and they weren't hugely great footballers but I think I remember when we signed Irving Gurnham nobody could believe it we'd signed a player that actually played in Division 1 yeah. <laughs> and he just played his heart out every game and you, you know there's, there's always people like that you have fond memories of but I think I think Tony Adcock was one of my favourites because he just seemed to be able to score from anywhere and everywhere and out jump every single defender despite his height you know so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever I think of the county ground, the only player I ever think of is FNE lad. That's the only one FNE I remember. FNE lad, yeah. Stood I mean, out again, where, where did he come from and where did he go to? You know, that's just... I don't think, I don't think anyone ever knew. <laughs> <laughs> I think he played about 10 games for us. But I just seemed to, he just seemed to be the one player that I remembered that first time I went and just, it always wanted me to, to make me go back again to watch him again. Yeah. I was so devastated when he yeah. went there the next time. What was he? He was described as a bottle of fizzy pop or something. That's it, yeah. 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 <laughs> Some amazing good times. So you go in Tony Adcock and Graham Carr as your yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Tony Adcock there. I mean, as I say, there's so many of them. Peter Galicia as well. There's another one, absolute legendary keeper. Again, he could drop the ball. He could make a mistake. But everybody loved him, and and he just he he seemed he seemed to do the job. So yeah, there was so many, wasn't there? Yeah, it's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, uh, Matt. That's been a great little chat about memories, which we're probably not going to repeat itself. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully it's given some of our listeners a lot of fond memories, some of our younger listeners a bit of an insight into what it used to be like. <laughs> and, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, did you want to quickly end by plugging your books? I know you've got quite a few 
books out, cobblers related and non-cobblers related, um, fanzine back catalog as well. Absolutely. And thank you so much. So yeah, we've still got We All Follow the Cobblers Over London Sea. That's been republished. That came out originally in 2008. Um, and and I decided to republish it because a fan said, oh, have you got, you got a copy of that old book left? And people are reading it and loving it. So yeah, you can uh, you can get a copy of that. Um, I've also started working on putting the the uh, hotel enders into compilations so you can get a whole season all, all together in one go. And uh, aside from that, you know, we've written a couple of other books. There's a, uh, a bit of an autobiography, which we've just released, and, uh, and a self-help book, which is for teens, young adults and families. So you can find all them on my website, which is uh, kennedyauthors.co.uk. And that links to links to all of them on there. So, uh, yeah, have, have a look and enjoy. No time now, is it? <laughs> That's it. It's a time to read books now when we've got plenty of time. So <laughs> I always say that the first one's about the cobblers. The second one's a bit of a personal development book if you need to get over the uh, the trauma of reading about the cobblers. <laughs> <laughs> There's an order, is it? It's like the Star Wars movies. You have to read them in a certain order. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you, order. you can read whichever ones you want, whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, you're more than welcome. <laughs> That's great stuff. Um, yeah, do go and do go and check that out. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us today, Mark. Um, thanks everyone for, to, for listening. Uh, we've got loads more to come on this series. If you'd like to take part in one of these, do get in touch. We're at Cobblers to Me on Twitter. You'll find us on Facebook by searching It's All Cobblers to Me, and you can send us an email through our website, cobblerstome.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday for our weekly edition of It's All Cobblers to Me, and hopefully we'll be seeing Mark again down the bottom of those steps really soon. Uh, we'll see you all soon. Cheers. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.